the sermon for today is going to be called Speak and Be Silent. Speak and Be Silent. And I'm hoping it's going to be a word that's relevant for us. Let's pray over the word. (coughs) Excuse me real quickly. Lord Jesus Christ, Father, we thank you for everything you've already done in us this morning. Father, we pray that your word would be anointed. Lord, I pray that as we open it up this morning and begin to expound upon your word, Father, that you would move in our hearts, allow it to become real and alive. Speak to us, Father, in Jesus' name, and let us gain victory inside of our own minds this morning, Lord God, of things that are going on in our lives. Let this be relevant. Let it be a hindrance to the enemy. And Father, let it be something that propels us forward in life and forward in you. In particular, in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Praise God. He is good. Yes. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 25. Which, by the way, in my opinion, is one of the most amazing chapters of Scripture in the entire Bible. To literally preach a series out of Proverbs 25. And if you read the whole thing, you'll probably notice like, hey, this is where pastor gets all his scripture. There's like seven of them in there that you've heard sermons on already. I promise. Proverbs 25, chapter 25, verse number eight. Stand to your feet with me if you would while we read the word. Thank you this morning, Lord. Proverbs 25 and eight. Bring out of the King James. Do not go forth hastily to strive, lest you know not what to do in the end thereof, which means to argue or fight. When your neighbor has put you to shame, debate your cause with your neighbor himself and do not discover a secret to another. Lest he that hears it puts you to shame and your infirmary and your infamy, I'm sorry, turns not away. Verse 11, a word fitly spoken. Everybody say fitly spoken. Is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, word. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. I almost said that backwards. Thank you, Lord. Lord and word, very similar letters. We all right over there? Okay. Sounds good. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. I asked an Aggie to change the temperature or something. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally. Hey, look, you guys know I've been supporting the Aggies lately. That Johnny Menzel is a monster. My favorite college football player, no doubt. Uh, Chapter 25, verse number 8 through 11. Powerful portion of scripture this morning. So when we're talking about speak and be silent, the word this morning that God has for us is very relevant for your everyday life, is very relevant for your prayer life, It's very relevant for finding victory. It's relevant for a lot of things if you pay attention. But the one thing we're going to concentrate on more than anything else this morning is on discouragement and encouragement. My cell phone is on silent, as an example, just to let you know. Proverbs 25, 8 through 11. I'm going to read this again to you real quick. Do not go forth hastily to strive, lest you know not what to do in the end thereof. When your neighbor has put you to shame, debate your cause with your neighbor himself and do not discover a secret to another. Lest he that hears it puts you to shame, and your infamy is not turned away. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken. When I talk to you about this morning, and I think you're going to see where we're going here shortly, is about discouragement and encouragement. Flip to Proverbs chapter 18 with me real quick. Proverbs chapter 18. This time of year, the holiday season... 
is said to be at the same time the most joyous, amazing time of the year and the most uh, discouraging, lonely and depressing time of the year, depending on which side of the aisle you're on. Obviously, it can be a little bit more depressing if you don't have friends or family to spend it with, especially family, since all of your friends are probably with their family. Um, if your family lives far away, you're in a different state, whatever. Um, or if you're just overall been having a hard year and then you go into the holiday season, it's time to celebrate and you don't feel like you have anything to celebrate. Then that can maximize uh, the, the, the down feelings, the downtroddenness, the depression that a person has and or it can bring it on if it's just a, if it's just a huge lonely thing. So I don't think it's any coincidence that God has put this word on my heart this morning. And it's a really, really simple word, but maybe profound at the same time about discouragement and about encouragement. I'm going to tell you a a little secret about discouragement. Discouragement is uh, a subtle creature, yet bold at the same time. Discouragement travels throughout the entire world, knows no bounds, follows no written law, has no master, so to speak. Discouragement is a killer, an absolute killer. How many of you have ever heard the little cliche that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist? Right, we've all heard that. And that's partially true, except that everybody knows if you believe in God and you know the devil exists, so that's not a very good trick. Well, it's not the real trick that he's trying to pull. That's just a cliche way of saying the greatest trick that he ever pulled is not letting you know when he's there. You know that he's real, but he doesn't make the bold appearance that you expect him to make. Red, big, flames, pitchfork, pointed tail, that wouldn't attract anybody. And the devil's all about being attractive. So he doesn't make a big splash. He convinces you to call him by different names and label him in different ways. And he is not roaming around this earth with a pitchfork trying to physically kill people. He is not able oftentimes to take anybody's physical life. He might be able to establish an order of events that ends in that or whatever. That's between you and your theology, whatever you believe. But obviously, if he had the ability to just show up and start killing people, there'd be a lot more people that wouldn't be here. Just like God, the devil uses people to do his work. But he has to convince them that they're hearing something else or label it as something else. Inside of a Christian life, We know that the devil's real and we know that he's evil. We know that he's out there. We know that he doesn't want the best for us. But we don't know a lot of times when he's right inside of our situation. He's messing with us and we don't even realize it. And we just think that it's life or we just think that it's this or it's that or whatever. And there may be some symptoms that you're on to, but you don't understand the enemy has plopped itself in your life because he is not trying to physically kill you. In fact, if he physically killed you, he wouldn't be able to use you to do what he really wants to do, which is to bring discouragement into other people's lives. What the devil wants to do is discourage you from being everything that God created you to be. If he can kill your purpose, he doesn't need to kill you. In fact, he can use you to spread his disease through discouragement. Discouragement is so bold, it'll hide behind a smile. You'll never even know. Shake somebody's hand, give them a hug. How are you doing? Nobody answers that question, honestly. 
unless it's really been hard. Everybody says, oh, I'm good, man. How are you? Just that's what you say. Small talk. You don't mean it. Discouragement can hide behind that facade. Now, you know, because you do it, but it still fools you and other people do it. Oh, no, he seems good, man. He's good. Ask him. He says he's good. Now, discouragement's bold like that, and it knows no bounds. Discouragement, at the same time, will stroll right into dilapidated Section 8 housing and mess with people who barely have anything. And the next day, it'll stroll into multi-million dollar mansions and mess with people that have everything. Discouragement knows no bounds. It lives inside of middle-class homes. It'll wake up with you in the morning and have a cup of coffee. It'll read the paper with you. It lives in the paper. It's all over the news. Excuse me. Discouragement will catch a ride with you to work in the morning, won't it? And if it can't catch a ride to work, it'll meet you there and get a ride home. Indeed. It lives everywhere. How does it how does it move around so quickly? Discouragement is not God. How does it seem to be everywhere at once? The same way that Jesus is everywhere at once. Do you remember when he left the earth and he said, the works that I have done and greater shall you do? That confused me when I first read it. Greater works than Jesus. That sounds blasphemous. How could I do greater works than Jesus? First of all, he, he raised himself from the dead. I don't plan on doing that. How could I do greater works than Jesus? Not to mention all the other stuff that he did. <clears throat> and what he, what he did not mean was that you as an individual would do greater works. What he was saying is, I am in the form of a man and I am at one place at one time. But when I leave, I'm going to pour my spirit out. And he said, in my name of Jesus, multiplying himself a million times over. And now he is in a million different places at once and able to do the same work that he did inside of that body. Because the Bible says the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you. Can I encourage you a little bit this morning? The same spirit that lives inside of him lives inside of you. The same spirit that raised him from the dead is able to resurrect your dreams, your passions. Discouragement is not the end all be all. It can be defeated. But you first have to realize that it's there where it comes from. And then we're going to talk about how to avoid it and how to overcome it. Amen. <clears throat> Proverbs 18, verse number 20. Says a man's belly. Shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, I know we've read that scripture and talked about it many times, and we are talking about speaking life this morning, but we're going to do it in a little bit different way as well. Flip with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, if you would. Luke, chapter 1. And at the same time, Ted, or whoever's on the computer, if you could put... uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 on the screen.
Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse number 12. Luke 1 and 12. I told Aaron this morning, this is, uh, this is a partial steal. Stealing a scripture that he used in Sunday school. Uh, but before he explained it, I had written it down and connected it to Abraham, and then he did the same thing. So it's only a partial steal. It's going to seem like a full-on steal, but it's only, it's only partial. All right, and Aaron stole it anyway from the Bible, so we're even. Luke chapter 1, verse uh, number 12. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled. This is the angel Gabriel, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness. And many shall rejoice for his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. My God, if you were praying and one of the main things that you were praying for was your wife to get pregnant. And an angel showed up. Okay, it'd be one thing if you were up here praying and I came by and said, hey, what are you praying for? And you said, I'm praying to get pregnant. And, you know, first of all, make sure you're married. Okay, you're doing everything right. So we'll, we'll pray for you. So we're praying to get married. And then if I was like, and by the way, God is going to bless you with a son. You should name him John. And you should have joy and gladness because he will return many. Many will rejoice at his birth. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He shall go before the Messiah as Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. All of this stuff, you'd be like excited, right? Like, wow, what a word. You'd probably question it a little bit later. Who knows if you'd actually name your kid John or not? I don't know. It's one thing if I did it. But if you went inside of a random church or inside of your own room and you were praying for your wife, if you're a man or for yourself, uh, if you're a woman uh, to give birth and an angel showed up. And said all that to you. Man, I mean, right. You kind of believe it. Praise God. Take it to heart. Just isn't human nature. So all of these amazing things the angel has brought to John. And you remember how it started out? It said that he saw the angel and he was afraid. That's understandable. Angel shows up in your room out of nowhere. That could be a little scary. But he sure overcame his fear quickly. As soon as the angel spoke good things into his life and promised him something, he got right over that fear and said, well, hold on a second. Verse number 18. Zechariah said to the angel, well, how will I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. Oh, can you imagine Gabriel? Just imagine Gabriel for a second. He's up in heaven. John is walking into the to the chamber where he's going to be praying. And God is like, all right, Gabriel, game time. Get your game face on. You ready? Boom. Gabriel's like, I'm ready. All right, let's do these wings today. All right. Yeah, I like these wings. These wings are impactful. Let's use these ones. Okay. Should I be like fully visible or partially invisible? What do you want to do, man? Whatever you want to do. A little smoke. That's cool. All right. Sounds good. Take out, take one of them crowns. Get that breastplate. Leave the sword here. Okay, cool. Gabriel's all, because the, the angels see him every day. They're not that impressed, right? 
But when the angels know, they've got to know. When they show up to men, men are like, oh my God, and they fall. That's got to be awesome for the angels. They got to be like in line. Who are you? Who gets to go down next? I want to show myself. So here's Gabriel's term. God's like, game time. All right. John's praying. God gives him the word. This is what I'm going to do for John. And Gabriel shows up, floats through the ceiling or whatever, and lands. And he's like, there. You hear the, oh. John, John looks up and he's immediately scared. And Gabriel's trying to keep the straight face. Because in his mind, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I did it again. This guy's trembling. And he says, John, I have a blessing for you. Your child shall be named. I'm sorry, Zacharias, I have a blessing. Your child shall be named John. It goes with this whole deal. Probably feeling really good about himself. Like doing all this. And John's freaking out. It's the first time John's seen an angel. And it's Gabriel. And then after he's done, Gabriel's waiting for the reaction. And, 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 and Zacharias says, well, I mean, how do I know this is true? Can you imagine Gabriel's probably like, do I have wings or do I not? Can you kind of see through me? Am I a lot bigger than you? Where did this smoke come from? Why am I even talking to you? He's getting angry. Are you serious? So Zacharias is is asking him this. Gabriel's got to be upset. Verse number 19, the angel said unto him, well, here's the deal. I am Gabriel. Now some of the luster's gone, but there it is. I am Gabriel. That stand in the presence of God, just by the way. And I was sent to speak unto you and to show you these glad tidings. And behold, now you're going to be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things are performed because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. I'm Gabriel. I'm out. Done. And then John has, John has no voice. He's walking out. Gabriel probably gets back up to heaven and God's like, what? What did you do? And Gabriel's, seriously, did you see that? I didn't even get to tell him who I was before he started questioning me. He probably was waiting for the big John to really freak out. I mean, Zacharias, sorry, I keep saying, to really freak out. And then he was going to go, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. But instead, John's already over it. Zacharias is already over it. And he's like, well, I don't know if this is going to be true. So he's like, well, I'm Gabriel, standing in the presence of God. You're not going to be able to talk anymore. I've had enough. <laughs> so he goes back up to heaven, and he's got this promise for Zacharias. And what it, Zacharias is not able to speak. Now, how did, why did Aaron connect that to Abraham? Why do I want to connect that to Abraham? Because this is at least the second time that this has happened. Now, they keep records in heaven, yes. But you know also how God is everywhere at the same time. He is eternal. He lives forever. He lives outside of time, so on and so forth. We've talked many different times whenever you're praying or whenever God wants to bless you for you and your life and me and my life. We have to wait because we are held back by time. It is part of the, it is one of the dimensions that we live inside, but God lives outside of. So the past, the present, and the future are all the same to him. How do we know for sure? Because he said in the book of Psalms and then he said again in, uh, in uh, 2 Peter 3 and 8, that one day unto the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. It's all whatever. It's all the same. So just yesterday, God sent two angels to Abraham to tell Abraham that he was going to have a son. And Abraham did the same thing John did. Well, I'm pretty old. How could this possibly? And so then he takes that and he, he begins to doubt. And he walks and he tells his wife and his wife literally laughs him out of the house. And eventually, instead of having that promised son that he was supposed to have, 
His wife convinced him to go off with her handmaid, and he has a son by another woman named Ishmael. And Ishmael, if you're keeping track, is the beginning of the race that, uh, that on the earth that produced Islam. And if you read a Quran, it's the same as the Bible up until Abraham. And then Isaac is the promised son, and that's how we get the word of God. Ishmael is the promised son of Islam, and that's where they go with their Quran. The difference is God spoke through many people about the Bible and only one man about the Quran. That's a subject for another day. The point is, that was a bad deal. So now Gabriel shows up to Zacharias, tells him the same thing. Only yesterday, Abraham messed everything up as on God's time clock. Zacharias says, well, I'm pretty old. And I'm sure Gabriel was like, mm, not again, not having this again. The last thing that you're going to be able to do, my friend, is go home and tell your wife. That didn't work out well before. So zippity zip, you're done. Okay, so no voice for Zacharias now. Why is that? Because God understands something that we need to understand. Discouragement is a killer. Discouragement is a killer and life and death is in the power of the tongue. According to the book of Proverbs, chapter 18 that we just read. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. God can send angels. God can show up himself. God can show out in miracles. God can heal people. God can speak through people. God can do amazing works. And it takes nothing for the human mind to turn around within 24 hours and begin to question what they heard, question what they saw, and speak in way of discouragement instead of encouragement. And then the purpose of God undergoes destruction instead of construction. And if it ever comes to fulfillment, it's going to be 40 years later instead of seven days later. Moses. Discouragement is a killer. Speak and be silent. 